Welcome to the Mom Village Podcast. We are three multicultural moms sharing our journey through motherhood with the Christ Center Foundation. For information and resources, visit us at our church's website at gofamilychurch.org. Or you can also email us at themomvillage at gofamilychurch.org. And please go over and follow us on Instagram at themomvillagefc. We're glad that you're here and welcome to our village. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mom Village. We are so happy you're here with us. My name is Chismari Ramos, and I'm here with my lady, Sakira Kelly. Hey, Village. And Kristen Scroggins. Hi, ladies. And we have a great episode we cannot wait to dive in called Parenting in the Midst of Suffering. Mm. Pretty, pretty intense title, mm. ladies. But Kristen, tell us why we're we calling it that way and who's with us. Yeah, so Village, we have a treat for you today. This is one of our favorite people here at Family Church. We have a good friend of ours here, Sarah Thomas. And Sarah, we are so grateful that you are here parenting in the midst of suffering. And we are going to talk a little bit about that and what God has done in your life and in Pastor Todd's life and all the things that God has taught you in the midst of some of your own personal suffering. But to just get started, tell us who is Sarah Thomas and who are your people? Well, hi. Thank you for having me. So nice (laughs) to be here. Yeah, I'm Sarah. My husband, Todd, is the pastor at our Sherbrooke location in Lake Worth. We have three kids. We have a a nine-year-old son named Cade, a seven-year-old daughter named Annalise, and a five-year-old daughter named Indy. So cute, your girls. (laughs) And your boy. They're they're picture (laughs) perfect. So, Sarah, can you tell us, we always like to get the background info on all of our guests. So can you tell us a little bit about how you and Pastor Todd met and how long you've been married? Give us the inside scoop. Oh, we want to know everything. (laughs) The good, bad, and the ugly. Okay. We won't tell people. (laughs) Well, we actually met in high school, which is so funny to think about. It was a long, long time ago. We've known each other for a long time. We were friends through high school, went to different colleges. Didn't even really stay in touch that much. Mm -hmm. We kind of separated, went, dated other people, went our own ways. And my sophomore year of college, we both were back home in Youngstown over Christmas break for school, just kind of randomly reconnected and Mm -hmm. started talking. And so we dated all just long distance, being at different schools and got married when I graduated. So wait, 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 wait. wait. What do you mean randomly reconnected? Sarah, we're talking to women. We want to know. Okay. Can't be random. (laughs) Never mind. So my family and I, my two brothers, we had this tradition of doing these big New Year's Eve parties. My parents would just open our house to all our friends. So we weren't out driving mm-hmm. around and stuff. And we did just like a big giant sleepover. It was so funny. Like uh, just oh. like people would be just laying in the kitchen sleeping. Like we would stay up all night. We would kind of just party and not like, you know, the Christian, the Christian party. My dad was a pastor. So There's no funny business. Let's clarify. Yes. But it was just a way of just like getting all our friends together and we could be at one place and we we're all safe. And anyway, so Todd came to that, that party that year and we hadn't, like I said, hadn't really stayed in touch, hadn't really maintained the friendship, but we had known each other all this time. And so we saw each other at the party and talked about getting coffee to catch up. And, and that just turned into, we just realized that. Uh, wh- where is this? What is um, this? Youngstown, Ohio. Oh, uh, Northeast Ohio. Ohio is where we're from. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's how that's they party in Ohio. That's how they party in <laughs> okay. Ohio. Yep. So you got coffee. I was like, I was like, 
let's get coffee. You know, that's, <laughs> know. that's, that's the ringer. That's the hook. I don't even know if he was thinking about it. So funny. <laughs> um, we actually had Sarah. Come on, yes, <laughs> you're well, adorable. He had other friends suggest to him. We, we I'm we, pretty sure we actually... they don't look like you. Yeah. <laughs> you well, probably we... can't see it, but she's gorgeous. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. We sang together doing worship stuff for all this time, and so one of our other friends who was singing with us kind of mentioned after we did a worship set, he was like, said to Todd, "Hey, what?" What's with this girl? Like, why aren't you dating her? And he said it was just like the idea planted in his head. Like, I don't know why I'm not dating her. It's interesting. So we just got, you know. Isn't it, was it sort funny? Of like... they, they, they do think like that. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. we're like, no, they don't. They do. Yeah. <laughs> they do. Aww. What's one of your favorite things about your husband? I love his steadiness. Oh. And I think it's particularly with this topic, there's so many waves of life that take you up and down. And me personally, the, the way that I'm built emotionally, very up and down and lots of things going on in our family. And I just love that he is a steady presence. He doesn't mm, get easily ruffled. Um, he, of course, has emotions and still goes through things, but just is able to maintain a calmness and a peace about him. So I love that. And he's also really funny. He's the he's the clown of our family. He's always making the kids laugh and doing funny voices and just is, you know, the comic relief. That's pretty <laughs> awesome. I love that you said that because at least for a wife and for women that we need that so much because yeah, yeah. we're an emotional roller coaster. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we can't yeah. even understand ourselves. <laughs> we need that steadiness. For you saying that of your husband, that that's an amazing highlight mm -hmm. of who he is and his character. Yeah. So tell us what is a piece of marriage advice that you find yourself going back to over and over again? It can be something that somebody t told you one time or something that you have learned, but something that you can share with our village that you find yourself, no matter the circumstances, I keep going back and back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't think of anything specific. I can think of who said it and when, but something that I we always try to do in our marriages to think the best of the other person, assume mm. the best, mm. speak about them in mm. a positive way. Don't assume fault or negativity where sometimes there isn't that and just um, kind of be each other's biggest cheerleader. And yeah, assume so good things. Tell our village, how long you guys have been married? We've been married. I was doing the math last night. It'll be 17 years in June. Wow. This year, so, yeah. Why is it like after 10 years, it gets like kind of foggy? Yeah, right. like we're all thinking, wait, hold on. I know. Let me, I'm going to the math. calculate. I don't know. I yeah. Think, I don't know. That's right. Yeah. Well, Sarah, you have a wonderfully gifted husband, three beautiful children. And again, our audience can't see you. You're talented and beautiful in your own right. And I'm sure that if anyone were to see a photograph of your family, they would look at the Thomas family and say, wow, that's perfection. But life hasn't always been perfect for the Thomas family. So we want you to share with our village, if you can, what was it like to hear the word cancer and your daughter's name in the same sentence? Well, it's terrible. <laughs> it's really terrifying. So this is our middle daughter, Annalise, who's now seven. Right before she turned two, we noticed that her jawline was kind of uneven. She had, and she was, it was before she was really talking, so she couldn't tell us what was wrong, but she would complain about her face if I wiped her face after she ate. If I would, when I would change her clothes and pull something over her face, she would cry and, and talk about, you know, just kind of look like she was uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but we couldn't tell what it was or couldn't see anything. And so as we watched it just over a, even just a week, the one side of her jaw was growing outward. And so we were trying to figure out if she had an infected tooth because of her age, if she had a molar or something, we took her to a dentist. They didn't, you know, she wouldn't, the part of the problem was she was really afraid of anyone touching her or, you know, was very sensitive about that. So that she wouldn't even let the dentist look in her mouth. Mm -hmm. And anyway, we 
finally figured out that it wasn't an infection, got her to get a CT scan, which was kind of also unclear because she was moving around and very nervous. Mm -hmm. And we could, you know, there's only so much you can do for with a two-year-old to get a scan. Anyway, they were concerned about it. They did verify that it was a solid mass. Mm -hmm. And then we had her do a full body MRI, which is a sedated MRI, and figured out that it was, she got a diagnosis after the MRI. We knew it was a tumor and had about two weeks where we didn't know what, what it was. So, and the doctor that we saw was not very comforting <laughs> because it was a very fast growing. We knew it was a solid mass and we knew it was fast growing. It was about the size of a golf ball on her wow. little face. Mm. So after the MRI waited, seems like an eternity to get the results. She was diagnosed with a rare blood cancer called LCH, which we had never heard of before. So we're Googling all this stuff, but it was really a best case scenario looking back. You know, it was it's very scary, but this specific kind of cancer can show up in a lot of different ways. So Hers was only in one location on her body, was single site, and it was on a bone. So it was a mass that we could see quickly to address. Some kids have this, shows up in a rash on their body, or they can have it on internal organs. So you can't always diagnose it quickly. If it's multi-site, it's more complicated to treat. So the bright spot in it, certainly we see the Lord's Mm -hmm. grace and how it even just the kind of cancer that was. The doctor right away knew that it would be treatable and that it wasn't going to be life-threatening. We were worried that she would have to have a facial surgery also Mm -hmm. to remove the mass and a two-year-old having (laughs) a jaw surgery. You have your jaw wired shut and all this stuff. So thankfully, she didn't have to do that. She started chemo and did a year of chemo and steroids, but the mass started shrinking right away. So we were very thankful to not have to have the surgery. So she did that until she rang her bell right after she turned three. Wow. So can I just ask, like, I'm trying to imagine in my head a Mm -hmm. Mm two-year-old. And I know just going back, just going to the pediatrician was a big deal, a thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, there were a lot of treats promised before and after. So how... If you could just give us a little more detail, how did you and Todd maneuver chemo Mm -hmm. with a two-year-old? Yeah. And then you had an older child yeah, as we well. Had, yeah, our older child. And I was actually pregnant with our youngest. Yeah, I was oh my gonna, word. I was okay. going to ask you. I think you <laughs> were pregnant. It was a pregnant. really fun time. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, my. Yes. And you're supposed to keep the stress to a minimum when you're mm-hmm. pregnant and try not to let anything <laughs> And also enjoy the process of pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. Well, that was a struggle, certainly. She was just very, like I said, very nervous about anybody doing anything to her body and still has some some residual things of that, of just some anxieties about, you know, when she would lose a tooth, she'd have almost oh. a panic attack, mm-hmm. like that it was something wrong with her body. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to sing my husband's praises. He took her to every chemo appointment. Wow. And part of the reason for that was because she, I couldn't keep her calm. I was, I'm pregnant. I can't really hold her well. Just for whatever reason, she stayed calmer with him than she did with me. She would get really worked up with me and maybe because I was emotional, you know, we were two girls getting worked up, but he took her to every appointment. And so that bell ringing for him was, I mean, he had a complete (laughs) breakdown, understandably, just it was such a long road of, and he's the one who had to watch her get her port accessed and she's crying. And even she had a, a port and we would put, even before her appointments, we would put lidocaine over the area where they would access it. So by the time she got to the hospital, she wouldn't be able to feel, feel the needles mm-hmm. and she would scream when we put the lidocaine on because she associated it with oh, I'm about to go. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So things like that that were we're trying to keep her calm and reassure her, but also 
this is something you have to do. Like we can't, I can't spare you from it. Yeah, because she can't funny. understand it. Yeah. No, three, can't reason like, with her. Yeah, what, you know what's going yeah. on here. Yeah, Sarah, yeah, how long do you guys <clears throat> navigate this process of her getting treatment? And it was a year. She did a year of chemo and steroids, and then rang her bell in December of 2018, and we moved here to Florida in May of 2019. Wow. Yeah. So, but as we know, when, so you ring the bell and so the hardest part is over, but it's not over, right? Because you have to keep having follow up scans. And so are you still in that process? Yeah. She goes to Miami hospital. She gets um, once a year, full body scans, MRIs, and they do blood work to make sure her counts are normal. So she's had clear scans ever since. Thankfully, Mm -hmm. there was a couple that looked a little funny. She has kind of, I don't know if, what do you call it? A malformation of her sinus cavity. So the way her sinuses drain is a little bit different. So sometimes it shows up on a scan funny and it's where she had the mass in her Mm -hmm. jaw. So they're very vigilant about making sure that that is, we're seeing what it actually is. But all her blood work's been normal and she's healthy and growing and we're really thankful she doesn't have. But she talks about, is very aware. She actually doesn't, if you ask her about it, she doesn't remember anything about That was my clinic. question. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's what, seven now. Yeah, she's so seven. how much of that yeah. does she actually She doesn't recall? remember being at the clinic at all. She doesn't have memories of, conscious memories mm-hmm. of, I remember yeah. this room or I remember them doing this. But she's, of course, seen pictures, knows the story. She shows people where her, her port mm-hmm. scar is and has made her very aware of the word can't like she's learned about the word cancer and like some people have cancer can mean different things for different people and some people have a lot worse experiences than she did and so we're really thankful but it's made her very sensitive to that and very empathetic for people who have gone through that or have family members with that she she connects to it on a on a deeper level so you've talked a lot about pastor todd we all know him and admire him and you together Tell me how this process of walking through having a child with cancer and and being pregnant and then having an older brother and navigating all of that, how has that process impacted your marriage? That's kind of a a deep, long question. So I know it's impacted it more than you can even unpack here, but just in a little bit, how has that impacted your marriage? And then how did it affect the way that you parent Let's just talk about that for a little while. Let's talk about marriage first. How has this process impacted your marriage? It's hard to say kind of as a general statement, there's, you can go one of two ways. You can, it can draw couples apart (laughs) to have to go through something Mm -hmm. traumatic like that with a sick child or even the loss of a child. And so, and that's, I think it's understandable how that happens. Just you're in your own emotional pain of it all. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to kind of just internalize all that. We tried as much as we could to talk it out with each other, to share our fears with each other, to pray together for her. And I think you kind of have to make the choice to, you're in it together. You're, yeah. you're doing this with a partner and for better, for worse and sickness and in health. And you, you figure it out together. It's not an option to just pull into your, your own emotional world. And that's a struggle sometimes to do as well. I mean, me personally, I'm kind of built that way. I, I'll just internalize things mm-hmm. and struggle inwardly and not talk it out. But we did try to just keep in mind that we were in it together and doing, you know, and I'm it really felt like a tag team situation. He's taking Annalise to chemo. I'm with the older one. I'm doing checkups for the pregnancy and, and really it was a, a team effort. <laughs> but yeah, I think we have really tried and prayed through it to to make it remembering that we're together as a unit and for our daughter too, that she needs to know that we're her rock and we're behind her and 
we're supporting her and are there for her and what she needs. So let me ask you, so how did this in the same line of your marriage and parenting, like how do you guys explain it to the other kids mm -hmm. that at least the older one, you know, because you yeah. were pregnant with your third, yeah. but that the sister was going through this. How, mm -hmm. how was that? It's kind of all a blur. I don't remember a lot of specifics. A lot of the things while, while yeah, you're pregnant I is know. a blur. And but. like, yes, it was a crazy time of life. You know, it's a fine line to walk as a parent because you want to protect. You want to not give too much information that will scare them and mm -hmm. make them feel fearful about what's going on. But we did talk to him about, you know, he was still, he was, I guess, four He knew that we just called it the special medicine. She had to go get the special medicine. We explained what the port was. And as he got older, about halfway through, I would say, he would sometimes go to the appointments with her mm -hmm. and see the clinic and see what was happening. He's always been a really sweet, good big brother. He's mm -hmm. like naturally loves his little sisters and is very compassionate. So that is sweet to see. I mean, I don't think it scared him. He didn't really, you know, fully yeah. understand as And that's something as we get older and talk through it more he understands better but we wanted him to be aware of what was happening and also not keep him from or not have him be afraid of yeah is she gonna die and <laughs> like that he would have more fear than was necessary yeah. for his age but it's a it's a hard balance to find <laughs> and I'm yeah not sure we always did it but. well especially because kids don't know so we either determine like if We create the level mm -hmm. of the emotion, what's happening. We either make them more scared or we just encourage them or use it. But how did your experience God's continued faithfulness? Were you ever discouraged or are you pretty sure, obviously, but what you have shared with our village, you saw God's hand through all everything. But were you ever discouraged? <laughs> I mean, it's in the mom village. Probably somebody's listening to this story and can hear you and be like, yeah, I feel the same way because I'm walking through something like that mm -hmm. or discourage, encourage. Yeah, I remember specifically feeling we were obviously hugely relieved when we got the diagnosis because they were preparing us for something much worse than mm -hmm. what we got. So it was a, a relief. Even the doctor was telling us was a sigh of relief. Like this is very treatable. She's going to be fine. So after that, obviously very relieved. And then I remember the day, I guess it was the day before she was going to start chemo. And it just hit me. This is a year. This is my two-year-old baby. Mm, yeah. <laughs> a year of a year of heavy medicine and steroids. And you know, think of a two-year-old on mm. steroids and already emotionally volatile yeah. <laughs> two-year-old on steroids that make her much more emotionally volatile. So it was just like the length of time and the reality of what was mm. happening was really overwhelming for me. And I'm being pregnant and your emotions are everywhere anyway. And so I remember that specifically, just thinking this is a heavy load that mm -hmm. <laughs> This is a long road that we do not want to walk down. and But yes, there's certainly so many times when we saw the Lord's hand. Our church was the hands and feet of Christ to us. We could not have made it through without, without our church family. We were living in Lexington, Kentucky at the time. We were also in, so my daughter did treatments at the University of Kentucky, which is like a one of the best in the country for childhood cancers. And we lived 20 minutes from there. People came from all over the country to come to this clinic. So we knew something that was right by us, another blessing. And yes, our church family was amazing. They would bring us meals. We did college ministry at the time, and we had college students that would come to chemo appointments and sit with her wow. and play with her and keep her feeling safe and seeing people that made her comfortable and other students that would come to our house and be with the other kids. And Indy was so, she didn't know what was going on. She was a baby, but, but yeah, to have Cade be getting to know that he was surrounded by familiar people and familiar that there was people. crazy things happening in life, but that there was still, there's some regulation of, we have a community around us of 
people who love us and care for us. So it was, I can't say enough about that. It was just, wow. they walked us through it and they were, they showed Jesus to us in, mm. in times that were very uncertain. So this question may seem somewhat rhetorical, but I'm sitting here and I'm thinking through everything you're saying, I'm thinking being pregnant, having a two-year-old diagnosed with cancer, having a four-year-old, just doing that ministry, alone yeah, is like, ministry. I can't, yeah, I just, I can't even like take it all in and, you know, being married in ministry, I mean, mm-hmm. and then just the regular everyday mom stuff that mm-hmm. we have to do. So Sarah, can you tell us and the listeners, how did you keep going physically and spiritually? I mean, I know I would have been drained, but how did you keep going in the midst of all that you had going on within a very short amount of time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I think just trusting God, sometimes it's hourly. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. I've got through this hour. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm still here, Mm -hmm. still functioning. My baby is safe. My kids are okay. It's one step at a time. There's no choice but to go through it. And Mm -hmm. I think God does show his faithfulness in so many small ways and big ways throughout just those daily steps of Mm -hmm. trusting him and deciding that he's got it in his hands and he's going to take care of you. And doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't take away the struggle, but God is good and he hasn't forgotten us. And he's ministering to our daughter in ways that we can't, is doing, speaking peace into her heart and to her life that we as parents can't even do. And so just remembering that God is for us and that he's He's in the in the trenches with us. He hasn't mm. forgotten us, even when it feels like, God, what are you doing? Where, yeah. where are you? Why is it? I feel alone. I feel like you're not taking care of us. And it's not, that's not true. That's not what his word says. His word says that he's always with us and he's given us the Holy Spirit to intercede with words that we don't have. And yeah, just remembering truth, even when it's, it doesn't feel like those things are true. (laughs) So you just said something that was really important, I think, for all of us as moms to remember is all of us aren't going to walk through this specific suffering. Some will, some are maybe that are listening right now, but all of us are going to walk through some type of suffering during our parenting journey, whether it's loss of a loved one or illness or, you know, just disappointment. But you said something that's kind of freeing because sometimes as Christians, I think that we feel like we have to have it all together Mm -hmm. or because we Mm -hmm. understand the truth of God's word that that somehow shields us from yeah, that we're not allowed to suffer. Yeah, yeah we're not allowed or feel to pain because, yeah, oh, pain. I trust you, God. Yes, yeah. we do. But sometimes it's what you just said. You said I, sometimes it was getting through an hour. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And sometimes that's the best you feel like you can do. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna trust him in this minute, mm-hmm. in this hour. And then as you stack up minutes and hours, you see that he is faithful. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's wrong for us as Christians to say what we're feeling to God, and then remind ourselves. It's what the whole book of Psalms is about that. If you read the psalmist and mainly David's writings, he says, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Why are you letting my enemies take over me? And then every time, though, He did what you just said. He circled back around and reminded himself of the truth. And in doing that, he's reminding us of the truth of, I know that my circumstances don't define who you are, Mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. And so we're honest with how we're feeling. And then yet in our suffering, we remind ourselves of the truth. And that's part of how we understand God's faithfulness to us as we believe what he says is true about himself And in believing that, 
we see that it is true. Mm-hmm. So tell me, what is some scripture that that you kept going back to, to maybe fortify your heart and your mind in believing the truth about who God is and, and how he related to you? Yeah, there's a lot. I'm glad you mentioned the Psalms. I go back to those often. People would come say to us, comment to us, like, I, you guys have just been so incredibly strong. You just trust the Lord no matter what. And I can't believe that you're not falling apart and your faith in God is inspiring. And I'm grateful for all those things. I'm, I'm thinking, I don't feel that way. <laughs> I'm really glad it came across that we had it together. But we were we were terrified. We were wondering why God? Why, mm-hmm. why, why her? Why us? And, and I think it's, we have to let it be okay, you know, as believers and even as pastors, wives specifically think people have us on a pedestal of, that we struggle on a higher level. We have some kind of <laughs> enlightened state. And I mean, we <laughs> obviously have the truth of God's word. Every believer has access to the truth of God's word. And I think we, there's a danger in letting your emotional experience define God for you, like mm-hmm. that you're, you let your emotions gauge God's goodness or God's faithfulness. Mm, I think phrases like that even sometimes get rub me the wrong way. Like, oh, you know, your daughter's healed. God is faithful. God is good. God, yeah. what a blessing. And I, I, God is all those things. God is faithful and God is good. But God would still be faithful if we didn't have a good outcome. And God is still good even yeah. when it doesn't feel good and mm. when the circumstances are horrible. It doesn't change God's character and his his nature. And so for me, that was like like I already mentioned, I have feel like my emotions are kind of all over the place and we can't let our emotional state <laughs> or our circumstances be the definition of what God is or isn't. It's just so dangerous to do that. And so we thankfully have been an example to others of trusting God, even when we don't know what the future holds and what the we all do that in some ways. It's not just about this specifically, but there's so much we have to hold with open hands. Like, yeah. you know, Jesus prayed in the garden, God, take this cup from me. I don't want this. I don't want to go through this. If it's possible, take this from me, but let your will be done. There's a lesson there certainly of God, here's what I want, but my hands are open and whatever your will is, is what is best, even when it's not what we would we think is is a good thing to happen. Yeah. You're talking about phrases that rub you the wrong way. And then also sometimes we say, oh, God, God is good. He answered my prayer. Right. And we only he mean, oh, he, he did what I asked him yeah. to do. Yeah. Yeah. What I wanted. Yeah. 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 And God is good, as you're reminding us this mm-hmm. morning, whether he does what we ask him to do or not, yeah. because he does things even better than what we ask mm-hmm. sometimes because he's making us who he wants us to be. Mm-hmm. And we don't get there except through suffering. Mm -hmm. And we're most like Christ when we are suffering and submitting to God Mm -hmm. at the same time. So tell me what what encouragement or advice would you offer moms who may have a child with a health challenge? I would say that it's okay to wrestle with God in this area Mm -hmm. and to your first priority and your instinct as a mom is to comfort your child and reassure them that they're okay and that they're safe and that, you know, everything's going to be fine, even though you don't know that as a mom. You don't know that you can't assure them that they won't suffer. For me personally, I'm a big, like my spiritual gift is mercy. I'm like off the charts mercy. I don't like to watch anybody (laughs) suffer. I don't like to, I take on others' pain very easily. I internalize it. So as a mom, that's just amplify that you think like, I want to take this from her. I can't stand that Mm -hmm. it's not me that's going through it. I, I don't want to release her into this. 
So I think it's it's got to be we need permission as moms and as, and as Christians even. It's not that we're questioning, we're doubting God, but there's a tension there of mm-hmm. this is not my will, this is not my choice to walk through this, even if it's going to grow me spiritually, even if it's going to be the best thing for her and best thing, we're all going to come out on the other side and be stronger. We would not choose to walk this valley, and mm-hmm. so there's certainly a tension there of wanting to to reassure your child and to comfort them, but also that ultimately it's in God's hands and that may not look like we we want it to. And I think just remembering that we're this world is is broken and that God does not promise us wellness. God doesn't promise us a life free of he said in this world you will have trouble. We don't have a guarantee of healing. We don't have we're not owed healing because we're yeah. believers. So that's kind of getting to lead into the next episode. I think I'm maybe getting ahead of myself, but just knowing that God is for us, he hasn't abandoned us. He's not choosing not to give us good things because of this or that. It's not a consequence, not always a direct consequence of sin, but we live in a fallen and broken world that, and suffering is a part of it. And it's not going to change until eternity. Amen. Until Jesus comes And back. so, wow. you know, praise the Lord that we, you know, I think of the scripture we now see dimly in a mirror, you know, one day we'll. We'll be free of it. As a believer, there's a guarantee of healing. It's just not, it's just a matter of time. We're going to be made whole and our kids are going to be made whole and they're going to be, they're going to be free of that someday when with the Lord. So that does give us hope for today. It doesn't make today easier. It doesn't take away the struggle, but it does give us a deep and profound anchor of this world is not our home. We're not made to be here for a long time. And and we need to be talking to our kids who do have this, you know, it's kids who struggle with a terminal illness or have something that is a very vivid reminder of our bodies are broken and and God is the only one who can make us whole and that we have a future in heaven. And so you can even have those conversations with your kids on a, maybe on a, the, the child who has had the illness to have those conversations even on the deeper level of like, you know what it's like to have yeah. your, your body be broken and to go through something really hard, even at that young age. And I think it can give you, if you let it, can give you an encouragement and, and an insight into just remembering eternity and that we don't need to get too comfortable here because yeah, I um, love I love that you him. share like using the situation to have gospel conversations yeah. and that's I mean if you're going through it already then use it to kind of minister your kid's heart yeah. so we would love to keep going with Sarah but hey guys we have part two so no worries <laughs> we have part two we have more that we need to ask Sarah but for now we're gonna say goodbye but stay tuned for part two with our friend Sarah. So we're going to say goodbye at the count of three. Ready, ladies? One, two, three. Bye. Bye.